All right, guys. Welcome back to Up in the Air. I'm Jake. I'm Nick. So, Nick, we're going to talk today first about March Madness, the NCAA men's and women's tournament. Mostly the men's, but we will touch on the women's as well. Absolutely. We're, st- we're still waiting on the, the round of 32 to shake out there as this is Monday. We're recording on Monday there night. Are a lot of, there are a lot of women's games that are going to be played while we're recording this. And so. after. Yep. And after. So, we, we'll talk a little more in depth about that next week. Um, but we'll start on the men's side, Nick. We were right about a couple things, but... As always, the madness ensued, and we were very wrong about a lot of things. March is going to march, Jake, and it sure as hell marched all over the place last week. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I mean, the biggest, I'd say the biggest story of the opening couple rounds, specifically the first round, is fairly Dickinson beating Purdue. Right. What the hell happened to all the number ones? We're going to talk about it, but Purdue losing just... Well, two of them lost, yeah. Purdue and Kansas losing just, just laughable. Yeah, the Big Ten is mostly trash. Yes. Yeah. Right. Despite having eight teams in the tournament. But, yeah, I mean, Purdue got, like, thoroughly outcoached. Absolutely. I, I mean, I what's it's, uh, what's his name? Tobin Anderson? Tobin Anderson. The FDU coach? FDU, yeah. So, that, so, viral, that viral clip went out yeah, before. Of him being I like, think, more, I, look at that. I think we can beat them. I think we can beat Purdue. But you know they weren't even supposed to make the tournament, right? Right, yeah. They lost to Merrimack. But Merrimack was transitioning from D two. There's still that. It's, it's that the weird. Four year. It's that weird transitional law where Merrimack yeah. won their conference, but because they're tra- still transitioning, they're not allowed to play right. in this tournament. So, so FDU got in by default. FDU was the only one that could fit fit in that spot because they, they still had to play yeah. in, which they won last Wednesday. But yep. they won, and then they were on a tear until yesterday or the day before. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they lost to a good Florida Atlantic team, but it's. It's just crazy. I mean, it's the second time we've seen it. I think, if anything, I mean, we saw a lot of big upsets. We'll talk about Princeton in a second. But these mid-major teams are getting better and better. Yes. And there's a lot more. I mean, basketball, we, we kind of talked about this with the NBA, I think. Because basketball has just become more widespread. I think a lot of And the talent level has gone up. Yes. The talent across the board, just everywhere, is just up. Yep. But I also think, and, you know, I don't have a lot of sources to back this up. Yeah. But I think NIL. Mm-hmm. Is really helping teams grow parity across. Oh, I agree. Yeah, the entire college basketball landscape. Yep. You know, it's difficult with football just because there's so many players. Yep. But with basketball, you can pool all these resources to get the players that the, these coaches want. Oh yeah. They know that they can coach well. Yep. And you know, and at fairly at school like Fairleigh Dickinson, it's not a very big school. They aren't no. going to have like a, a big football program. I'm, basketball's their thing there, I'm sure. Right. A lot of those smaller schools like that, I mean, even like Gonzaga, yeah, they're a little bigger in basketball terms. But a lot of these smaller schools are going to get these guys, and you can convince this guy, hey, come here, we can get you fifty thousand dollars this year in NIL stuff, and you'll get to play for four years and actually legitimately play. And and with the transfer window too, I mean these guys could go somewhere else next year, and it wouldn't even with the way the transfers working in the COVID year. It's basketball is definitely college basketball specifically is at a unique point in its history. Yes. Um. So that was the biggest news. They did get knocked out by FAU. They did um, before the Sweet Sixteen. Did you but, see the story about FAU not having a band or FDU? One of them. One yeah. Of them, one of them not having a band. I think so it was FDU. Dayton, they were picked up by yeah yeah Dayton's yep. band yep. learned. They played in Columbus. Yeah. Yeah. They learned their fight song and played for them, which I yep. thought was pretty cool. That was very. It's very cool. There was also uh, there was some band director that was having them play some sort of like. 90s punk rock song somewhere and he's just like going ham I can't remember who it was there's just been I a wish, lot of I think it was Northern of, Kentucky there's been a lot of viral moments yeah I want to say it was Northern Kentucky um, the buzzer beater that uh, sent Arizona home yep was a big one yep The Ar- did you see when Arkansas won their first game yeah against um, Illinois and yeah. it was either that it had I don't know we're we're looking at this live. They played Illinois game. the first game, right? So have they played a second game yet? Because yeah, Arkansas of, beat Kansas. Okay, yeah. When yeah. Arkansas beat Kansas, yeah. the Arkansas coach literally ripped off. Oh, his Eric shirt. Musselman. Yeah, yeah. He ripped up his shirt. Yeah. went shirtless and started like. Oh, he's been up the crowd. Well, he he went absolutely bonkers, but he he's the man. Yeah, I, um, I loved it. I, do you know I that if Arkansas it. beats UConn, they'll be this will be their third straight elite eight. <laughs> That's crazy, isn't it? To think about Arkansas SEC basketball powerhouse. Isn't it? Isn't it kind of crazy? Question and, mark. And Kentucky hasn't been to a Sweet Sixteen in three years, four years, right. two thousand nineteen. Yeah, pre, since pre COVID, it's just it was a it, UConn. By the way, looking like a wagon. UConn turned it around. Yep. Which I'm. Um, I mean, 
I'm glad they they, they yeah. are, but I was just not expecting that. There there was a couple wild moments in the opening the opening games. Um, the TCU buzzer beater to beat um, Arizona State. Yeah, was yep. was crazy. Yep. Um, Penn State. Andrew Funk in the first round hitting eight out of ten threes against Texas A and M. That was nuts. Shout yes. out Jalen Pickett. Yeah, again. Shout out Jalen Pickett again. Yep. Um, I put in a thirteen leg. I went on a, a bar crawl Friday night. Bet alert. So, bet alert. Bet so alert. I put a one dollar bet on a thirteen leg parlay. It was like plus thirty three thousand. <laughs> okay. For you guys that don't know what that means, that means if you bet a hundred dollars, you win thirty three thousand dollars. So you bet one. I bet one dollar. It would have won me three hundred and thirty dollars because okay. I was just like, all right, I'm going out. I also put like a three leg NBA parlay. Sure. And that won me seven. Well, I won ten technically, but I was up seven. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I'm fine. I, I, you know, I covered it. I put down a one dollar bet. I got twelve out of thirteen, Nick. Fucking Ooh, Drake. Oh, not Drake. What? Well, yeah, I mean. Uh. Th- it's the one year there's no 12 versus 5. Right. Or no 12 beating 5. I think no. it's the second year in a row. Um, it's just, it, Right. In the men's bracket, there yeah. wasn't one. There was no what? 12. There, there wasn't was, women's. There was one in women's. But usually it's like there's at least one in every men's yeah. tournament. And yeah. so that was just a kind of like a damn you yeah. March Madness. Yeah. <laughs> I would have paid for all my bar tabs that day. But um, other than that, yeah, there was – I mean – we didn't really. I mean, Houston handled Auburn pretty well, but we were a little worried about. about I'm, st- I'm still worried about Houston, to be honest with you. Well, so return to Sean Miller. We're we're kind of all over the place here. We are, but I mean, <laughs> it's just. I mean, we're just kind of giving our preliminary thoughts about yeah. this. So we were. We'll talk about Princeton. We'll start with Princeton, the Renaissance of New Jersey basketball, Ivy League, specifically. Right, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, New F- Jersey. Yeah, FDU's in New Jersey. Um, Princeton's in New Jersey. Last year, St. Pete's is in New Jersey. St. Peter's was in yep. New Jersey. So I mean, it's cool. Arizona, by the way, is just Arizona and Purdue. I wouldn't trust them with my life ever again. No, I mean Arizona to Buffalo a couple years ago. Purdue, we didn't touch on that. You know, Purdue is the first team ever to lose. To a 13, 15, and 16 seed in consecutive tournaments. Wow. They lost to 13 seed uh, North Texas in 2021. Last year, they lost to St. Pete's in the Sweet 16 yep. as a three seed with a lottery pick. <laughs> and then this year, they're the number one seed and they lose to 16 they seed lost FDU. To a 16. It, can, it progressively gets worse, but it literally can't get worse than this. It this can. this is rock bottom and for Purdue. It's literally a team that's not even supposed to be in the tournament, right. had to play in to play them. And it one day's even, rest to coach and beat them. Right. It wasn't even like it was in the Elite Eight or the no. Final Four or something. First round. First round. Right. But I and I mean to be fair, three the year before this stretch happened, they were a miracle. Virginia shot away from defeating the national champion. Correct. Right. And You're they right. had a couple very very good players on that team, but it's just kind of everything spiraled and gone downhill. Um, you want to hear a crazy stat I heard I heard earlier while listening to another podcast? Tell us. I'll credit them. Shout out, pardon my take. Um, Michigan State. So this is Tom Izzo's 15th Sweet 16 in his tenure since 1995. Sure. There's only, I don't remember the exact number, but there's only a handful of programs. The only There's only two Big Ten programs that have more Sweet 16 bids throughout their entire history than Izzo has as a person. It's Indiana and Michigan. Makes sense. Okay. Right? Yeah. So the other crazy stat is, I want you to guess how many lottery players Tom Izzo has had since 1995 when he started. So this is a almost 30-year span. How many players do you think he's had drafted in the lottery? Mm. This is great. Great talk radio. Ten? Nope. Ten? Nope. Four. 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 Four in 30 30 years. years. And he's been to 15 sweet 16s. Jaron Jackson... Denzel Valentine, hilarious. Miles Bridges, Jason Richardson. That's it. Wow. Right? Wow. I, Coach Cal, since 2009, has had 22. Uh-huh. Duke has had 25, I believe, since then. Okay. Roy Williams had uh, 12 or 13 from the front. He joined in 2003 until he retired. I like bet North Carolina all these, misses him right now. Yeah. No, they definitely do. <laughs> and so it's just it's, – it's crazy that he is – the, he got. They had a couple down years, and everyone's like, "Oh, Izzo's overrated." He's. When really? you think about numbers like that, he's not. No. He's a second championship away from being like. One of them. One of you know, the elite. One of but, them. One of them. Those were some cool stats that they brought up. I was like, "That's yeah. really like when you put it in perspective like that." He has the same amount of national championships as John Calipari, and John Calipari has had how many number one picks and how many lottery picks? Quite a few. 
Quite a few. Quite a few. Quite a few. Yep. Um, so I just thought those were cool stats. Um, Tennessee bullied the shit out of Duke. They did. I was really they glad to see that. straight up bullied them. It was terrific. Really happy to see that. Um, Kansas State. I want to go back to Kentucky for a second. Sure. So Coach Cal hasn't made the Sweet 16 since 2019, right? Yeah. He has this lifetime contract. It's supposed to be the best place to play basketball in the country, Kentucky. many would say. Right. Right? Blue blood of all blue bloods. Yep. He's not getting it done right now, despite having the recruits. And then he has the audacity. So Marquise Noel is a Kansas State point guard. He's 5'9". He averages 17-8 and eight on the year, which for college is outstanding. Especially in the best, what many people this year have called the best um, conference in college basketball. Big 12 the Big was 12. considered to be the best throughout. It's solid. They had the most teams in here. Yeah, and they were all I mean they were all highly ranked. I don't know the exact number off the top of my head, but they had a they had a solid chunk. I mean right. Texas, Kansas State. Yeah. I mean of the teams left, they have one, two they have two. But, a very talented but, conference. Yeah, yeah, it's a very talented conference. Baylor, there's lots of really good Kansas. I mean Kansas got eliminated, but it's it's a talented conference. So he was one of the best players on one of the best teams in the best conferences. And Coach Cal after the game is talking about how, you know, he thought they did some things good, but they couldn't stop this guy. They stopped this guy. And he referred to Noel as the little kid. And then the little kid hits a three. And it's just so – it bugged me. This was after – He had 27-9. and nine. This so is after the game. This is post-loss. He referred to him as the little kid. The little kid. He was like, then the little kid hit a three. And okay. if you haven't seen the highlights of this game, go look up Marquise Noel's highlights for this game. Nick hadn't seen them. I just showed them to him before Nuts. recording. Nutty. Crazy. Uh, he had four of the best assists I've seen in the entire tournament, all right. in the same game. Right. He had a couple clutch step back, like insane threes. step back clutch over threes. Oscar Shibway, one of them was over guys he, that are like seven inches taller than him. Yeah, I mean it, it's it's insane. I mean even a standard guard of Kentucky is seven inches taller than him. He's five eight. Right. So it's just he's he played out of his mind. He might have he might be he might have had the best weekend of anyone in this tournament, arguably. Arguably. Of, of, of teams that are remaining, I mean, Oscar Sheboy had like 42 rebounds in two games. Yeah. And Tracy Jackson Davis went off right Indiana too. But of the teams remaining, he might have been the best player. Or yeah. had the best tournament at least. But so, Might have. My point, it, it's, I'm getting a little off track. Kentucky is supposed to be this great place and Cal is supposed to be this great coach. And now he's like narcissistically taking away from what it just this sounded kid accomplished. It, it, it sounded just petty. petty. It sounded arrogant. It sounded ignorant. Right. How, if he's averaging that and he's this team's best player, how the hell do you not acknowledge him? How do you not game plan around this How guy? do you not game plan around him? How do you not acknowledge him? Right. Oh, uh, the little kid hit the three. It, there's so, it's just okay. He hit more aggravating. than one on your ass. He did. It's just very aggravating and to me. And he's know. moving on in the tournament and you're not, Coach. Yeah, and I don't so. know why it bothers me so much. It's really not. It's I'm getting sick. It, he's just, I've never liked Cal a whole lot. And it's like as things progress... He's just becoming bitter about it, and it's just right. he needs to just be better. It's it's almost like a it's not Bayheim esque, but it's just kind of like grumpy and not taking responsibility for it, and that's not it's just not for me. Don't put that on on the players, especially on the players that rightfully beat your ass. Don't take away from the ki- the kid that just toasted you and had the game of his life and is having the best moment of his life. Don't fucking take that away from him. Right. Deal with it yourself. Take Absolutely. responsibility for what you did. That's right. And it it just bugged me. I wanted to touch on that because fuck Kentucky. Right. Kentucky's out of the tournament now. And there are some other teams that weren't in this year's tournament that yep. made some pretty big moves today, Jake. They did, yeah. Um, Wait, same? before we get to it, Nick, should we talk about how we think the rest of the tournament's going to play out, and then we'll move on to the rest of the college basketball? We can do that. Okay. Right. I, because with this bracket, Jake, we've yep. talked about it. Yeah. It's pretty messy. It's extremely messy. So a lot of this conversation might have sounded a little messy throughout this beginning You'll of the learn, podcast. If but you haven't learned, Jake has ADD brain. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not so much that. Maybe a little. A little. Definitely a little. But more so, it's just, it's really interesting to talk about March Madness from this perspective. Yep. After the fact. Yeah. Without knowing who the na- national championship is yet. Yep. And, you know, going through this just all over the place because that's what all these games felt like. You know. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. This team had an upset here. This team was who was supposed to win just absolutely beat the shit out of these. These four days game. just kind of blended together, which is what makes this the best weekend in sports. Like right. everything just. It all just blends together, and it's just one mush in our head of, like, fantastic, amazing moments. Right. And from now on, you know, it's it might be a little bit easier to try and, you know, see where Oh, we're far from predicting, but... Right. We're here in the take game, Nick. we got to have some takes. So, I guess 
my thing would be just I'm I'm excited for these games. I think you know there's a couple weird ones like I'm not sure how Creighton and Princeton will pan out. You know these 15 seeds are it's, they're good stories, but there comes a point where those really low seeds, the last game that they lose is never a good game. True. There's never been yeah. a Cinderella run where the last game, oh, they got beaten a nail biter. No, they got outplayed. And I think Creighton is a good enough team when we talked about them. I'm really happy they Creighton are still. I put them in my national championship game, Nick, on my official bracket. I put them <laughs> in Yahoo Sports. It's Creighton and Texas, and I'm not wrong yet. Love it. We'll forget that I picked Marquette. And uh, yeah. So I think I, I, I'm excited for the Michigan State Kansas State game. I also love college basketball because you don't have to be an NBA prospect, and the, this these are the moments for most of these kids. This shining it, it, moment, it, exactly. This it shining is, moment. It, I mean, if you look back at some of the biggest shots in the last five to ten years, none of them were by NBA players, except for like maybe Anthony Davis had his moment. Anthony but Davis, it's had a rare, his, right? it's a rare thing. These these, I mean, Jalen Brunson ended up being a solid NBA player, but Chris Jenkins has the biggest shot of all time. There's a lot of things that are going to happen in the next couple weeks. I'm just excited about it. I think Xavier, Texas is going to be an awesome game. The return of Sean Miller. Rodney Terry and what he's done with Texas, no matter how talented that roster is, is awesome. Mm-hmm. I think Musselman against UConn is going to be awesome. I think the whole West, Gonzaga-UCLA rematch, those three games are going to be played there are going to be awesome. Creighton-Princeton, I mean, I hope Bama beats San Diego State because I think Creighton-Bama would be a great Elite Eight game. Bama has looked lights out. And Kansas State-Michigan State is going to be great. Whoever comes from the right side of the bracket, no matter what one of those eight teams comes out of there, it's going to be so much fun to watch that before the national championship game. And I, I mean, the Kansas State and Michigan State have looked incredible. It's just, I'm excited about it. I, I, I love a bracket. And I, I just love the chaos of a good bracket. And this year has been a lot of chaos. And I feel like every year there's more and more chaos. There's a chalky region, but I'm just a fan. I fucking I love it. It's so entertaining to watch, yeah. especially if you're fans of teams that aren't in here. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Now that Syracuse is out and I have no rooting interest, it's kind of like I can just sit here and watch and enjoy it. Right. And it's it's fantastic. It's most of it's good basketball. I know the shooting percentage is down and scoring are down. I mean, it's still intriguing. There's very few bad games. Right. No, there. I don't. I don't. I can't think of one off the top of my head where it's just like, eh. Yeah. I don't, I don't really. Yeah. The one I wasn't able to watch that I wish I was able to was when Tennessee beat up Duke. But Yeah, and that wasn't a terrific game, but like if you hate Duke like most people, it's still fun to watch. It's still fun to watch. Yeah. So, um, so there's more college basketball news, Nick, that's happened specifically today. Really today? Yeah. Big East basketball. Back. Is back. Xavier, UConn, Creighton. Question mark. Back, Nick. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's more. Big East has the most teams remaining in That's the tournament. Awesome, love that because the Big East also added two, two huge coaching changes today. Yep one one shift, one addition. Yes, one shift, which super glad. So yep. we're gonna talk about it. Ed Cooley. Yep. was hired as the Georgetown Hoyas men's basketball coach. Yep. Just Georgetown just reached over, ripped him right out of Providence. Do you think he has to change his name to John Thompson? No, no. John Thompson will always have John Thompson. And also other John Thompson. Yes. Yeah. But just, no. Ed Cooley. <laughs> Ed Cooley's Ed Cooley. Yeah. Um, I'm really excited about that hire. Um, I got it in my student, He's, I got it in my student email. Oh, really? Before ESPN sent That's out the awesome. notification. I'm like, uh, Georgetown men's basketball. I knew something was happening. Ed Cooley. Oh John Rothstein tweeted out a picture this morning of his house for sale on Zillow. Yeah. Like the fact that people are just like Zillow hunting and being like, let's check Rhode Island, Rhode Island. Ed Cooley's house. Ed I know Cooley's this is his residence. Ed Cooley's house. Oh my By the God. way, it was a fucking wagon of a place. Oh, I bet. It's a mansion in Rhode Island. Rhode Island's pretty, it's yeah. a very pretty place. Yeah. My old director, my old residence director when I was an RA in college. Pip-pip to doodly do. She, um, she is at Providence now. Oh, good for Rhode Island, and it's beautiful. She sends pictures. Yeah. It's great. Um, but I did a little snooping, Jake. Okay. And we're talk a little bit more about Ed Cooley. I'll be here. Woodstock. I was doing a little snooping mm-hmm. on the Georgetown website when they released their statement. And I was looking through, and it said at the bottom, Ed Cooley's daughter is a current student Interesting. At Georgetown is University. Get, interesting. Which I'm like, I mean, he has a really long history at Providence. I, I think he, I don't know if he's from Providence or know. played at Providence, I, but he, he was, so he's referred to as a Providence kid. He didn't go to school at Providence. Right. He was, he went to high school in that area. Okay. Went to school somewhere else 
but then came back and coached them. Yeah, I mean, he's referred to as, like, the Providence kid. Like, he is, right. he's, like, the savior of Providence, basically. Right. So, he, um, he, what he did for Providence yeah. is what I'm hoping he can do for Georgetown now. Because he, it's their... He was a national coach of the year last year. Similar um, yeah. experiences, where it's, you know, Providence was below 500 was, for, like, five or six years. He was born in Providence. Right. Yeah. So, they were below Providence. Or yeah. Providence was below 500 for, like, five or six years. Then they bring in a Cooley... And then he just completely revolutionized yeah. that program. Yep. Um, just changed the, the Friars to a, a program in the Big East that's notable again. Yeah, and, and he, uh, he went to high school in Providence. He was Rhode Island's Player of the Year at Providence. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Georgetown just absolutely ripped him away. But I wondered how much of an effect of his daughter being a student at Georgetown. I might be a part of it, but the other thing is, is as cool as Providence is, and he's a Providence guy. Georgetown is just so historic. He's fifth. It's It's... A top 25 place to coach basketball in the country. Right. It's an historic part of our country. Mm-hmm. It's nostalgic. The Big East is back. The Big East is show, he can, showing if, talent. This if he year. can recruit and get players to go to Providence, right. imagine what he can do with the, at the D.C. area talent and getting kids into D.C. And think about the players that Georgetown used to recruit to go there. Absolutely. Allen Iverson. Um, I mean... I wanted to say Ray Allen, but he went to UConn. He went to UConn. But there were just... I mean, the, the way that Georgetown recruited... Back yeah. when John Thompson was leading things, he got Ewing yep. in that whole era. Yep. Back in the early '80s when they were just beating up on Syracuse. Yep. Throughout that whole decade, yep. and even into the '90s when AI was, yep. you know, they the way that they recruited, they made sure to to get students that. I mean, Georgetown is coming from personal experience. Georgetown's curriculum mm-hmm. is rigorous. Yep. It's a Jesuit university. They want kids with faith in their mind while also being able to to handle a rigorous education yeah and john thompson expected that out of his students and if you didn't do that you were gone yeah he had no he he, he had no pity for you if you weren't yeah. able to it's old school georgetown's an old school place yes and i'm i'm hoping ed cooley can i mean what they really needed was recruiting and they needed a name that could bring in recruits and he's one of the best coaches in the country like i said he just won he, he won, won the 2022 naismith coach he was the, the year naismith award last, last year. year right um and he did a lot of great things in providence during the time when the big east was on a downswing and it came back up and he was part of the renaissance and he he's had some terrific players i mean uh chris dunn played at providence he yep. was a lottery pick top 5 pick mm-hmm. there's plenty of players that He's turned that program around. If he can turn down a program with very little history. I mean, they did have Rick Pitino at one point. They did. Which, you know, that's a big deal. But right. it's not like an historic... It's not Georgetown historically great. So I think it's very possible that... there There's few people that were available that they could have got that is going to fit what they're trying to bring back. Given more. what they needed, yeah. Ed Cooley was one of the best picks available yeah. to try and get as your head coach, and they got him. Yeah. You know, and you know who else was out there, Jake, was Rick Pitino. Yes. And he is also going to the Big East. Made a decision very quickly. He was very quick. Back to St. John's. He's going back to St. John's. Yeah. But St. John's needed that, too. Yes. Do you also see that their former coach is suing them? Are they really? Mm-hmm. Because in the in the letter, I was reading an article today saying that they fired him for cause because he didn't hold the players to academic standards or this or that. So instead of just being like, we're done with you, they were basically like, he didn't do this, he didn't do that. And he was like, okay, I'm, I'm fighting this. Because so they he, were sl- he didn't get all of his contract either. So they were slandering their coach on the way out. I'm yeah. not slander. I'm not trying to say slander as if it's not true. No. I don't know all the details. Yeah. But, you know, they were... They were Saying all this stuff about their coach on the way out just so they could bring Patino back hours after he had lost mm-hmm. his Iona game? Mm-hmm. Interesting. After, you know, all the things he'd been through where he literally lost his national championship. He lost his national championship. I Mike Anderson plans on suing St. John's over firing. Wow. It's a headline. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's it's tough because Rick Patino, obviously one of the most talented coaches ever yeah. in college oh, basketball, yeah. basketball history. But just, you know, everything that he went through getting to where he was at Louisville and yep. winning his second national championship. Yeah. You know, that was a great team. Oh, it's fantastic. I can't remember a lot of the players on that team, but I just know that it was it, was, it just felt different then. Peyton Siva. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, they were a year away from uh Terry Rozier. He came the year afterwards. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um so this is I'm just going to read this paragraph from it because St. John's is in some Jake's hot reading water. this from an article on it's, ESPN. Uh it's from CBS Sports written by David Cobb. Gotcha. About 1 to 2 p.m. 
Monday, March 20th. Uh, in a termination letter explaining Anderson's firing obtained by ESPN, the school asserted that Anderson failed to facilitate an environment of academic compliance within the program. It also claimed that Anderson failed to, quote, appropriately supervise, end quote, his assistant coaches. So he's fighting that. That was in their termination letters, like, you did this wrong. He's like, I didn't. You didn't have a fair cause. Give me my money. Give me my money. So they fired him and immediately had a controversy that doesn't even have anything to do with Patino. And now Patino is going to have to come in and deal with this. And he's probably going to have to uh, answer I, all these questions. And he's going to have to answer a bunch of questions anyways right. because of all the shit he went through before. Mm-hmm. So it's not a... Uh, it's not like... I mean, it's, it's, it would be it's not great. It would be different if he was able to lead Iona anywhere. Yeah. But, I mean... There's only so much you There's can only do so much you can do with Iona. Yeah. And... You know, credit to that school. I actually, I know some kids from that school from my time in the mm-hmm. in the perfect game collegiate baseball league. Yeah, um, I had met some kids from Iona, and they were they were fine. They liked their school, but you know, you're going to another one of those historic programs that you know. And St. John's is in New York, right? Like it is. New York is supposed to be the the basketball mecca of our country, which almost makes it the world. At they this play point. at the Garden, don't they? I believe so. Right. I mean, there's only so many places. There's they only can play. so many places. But I mean, it's play, like I think they play if the, the Big Garden. East is back, so, if they're in New York, St. John's should have no problem recruiting. All these things you're saying, Jake, yeah. right? The Big East is back. Yeah. Oh, here comes here comes Rick Patino, one of the greatest coaches of all time. Oh my God, you're playing. You get to coach these players. You get to recruit your players to play in the mecca of basketball yeah. in Madison Square Garden yeah. in the state. That I mean, besides Indiana and you know, yeah, it, they just say that the best basketball in our country is played on the streets of New York, New York, right. Chicago, Indiana. It's it's gospel in Indiana, but the best basketball, best basketball in the country is, is New York and Chicago. But you cannot you cannot discredit what basketball means, especially to this state and to this city, yeah. where specifically this New York City, yes, right, yeah. and it's just. You know, he's. It's just an unfortunate situation for the coach. That was. I mean, obviously, everyone knew it was going to happen. Yeah, but, but it's just the way they happen, handled it. Did it have to happen this way? I don't think so. And maybe it's. Maybe it's. Just know, to get Rick Pitino. I mean, that's saying something too. You know, it's like just to get Rick Pitino. Yeah. yeah. Like I. I don't know. It's. I don't know. Yeah, it's not like the Ewing thing where it's like he literally didn't win a game for two years. Right. So like he's gone. You know, like, Pitino had a team in this year's in this year's yep. tournament. Yeah, they just unluckily got put against UConn. Then they got put against UConn. Yeah. And, I mean, he's going to have to play UConn again. Yep. He's going to have to play UConn. All the time. All the time now. Danny so. Hurley. Right. Um, it's yeah, just, so, I mean, that's the main – those are the main things that came came today. By the way, Danny Hurley versus Eric Musselman in the Sweet 16, just yeah. those coaches together, yeah. it's going to be great. Right. Mark Few and Mick Cronin. Oh, we love a good basketball. We do. Um, okay. Let's uh, talk real quick about these this women's tournament, Jake, because it, it, there's still a lot of exciting basketball yeah. that has been hap- that has happened that is also going to happen too. Um, it started off, you know, pretty pretty standard. Um, every single team. I don't think there was a really major upset. Uh, Florida fr- Gulf Coast was a 12 seed the first day. I mean, but Saturday, Florida Gulf Coast beat number five Washington State mm-hmm. by 11. Which was the, I mean, we said earlier, the men's tournament didn't have a 12 to 5 loss or mm-hmm. win, excuse me. Yep. But the women's did. Yep. Um, but, I mean, every single team. Mississippi State over Creighton. Yeah. Uh, every every single team that it's, we, at least I thought, was going to do well. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's mostly chalk. The, well. the biggest upset was um, Stanford losing to Mississippi. Stanford losing. There was, there's one number one gone. Yep. And who knows, maybe Indiana will follow suit as we speak. But Yeah, I mean, they're down by, at, at the time of this recording, they're down by 12 at half. They're down by 12 at half. Yep. So, I mean, who knows? LSU is, has been dominant. What's I, 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 The girl's name is escaping me, but she had 25 points, 20 rebounds, 5 blocks. Against, like it's absurd what some of these women are able to do. Caitlin Clark is still on a tear. Um, I can't remember her, the LSU player. Off the yeah, I, I she was an all she was first team All American. I wish I knew her name. But there's gonna be a lot of good games that are gonna be coming up, and and it's right. women's the wi- the women's tournament gets much more exciting. South Carolina wagon towards the end. I mean, so does the men's, but and Jake and I aren't trying to discredit the women's tournament because there is a lot of great basketball that is played and, and there's going to be played. It's just I mean, the women's game is growing too, is the thing. Exactly. So it, you're starting to see more parity, but for a long time there's been a lot less parity. We're starting to see more and more of it. Um but I mean, there's just some 
some wagon teams out there. Right. Yeah, I mean, you have pretty much pretty set expectations. You know, yeah. I South Carolina didn't and, lose and a game this year. No, and they're gonna and they're not going to lose a game probably until the final four ish. Right. Right around. It'd be, it'd, it'd be shocking if they if they didn't if they lost a the game before the final four. Correct. Um, but I mean, some of the best college basketball games of the last five years have been, have been in the women's tournament. The women's tournament. And I don't Arike Ugabawale. The the Notre Dame Notre Dame. I don't remember. Won. I don't remember if how long ago that was, but that's outside of the Chris Jenkins shots. That's the best. She did it back to back games, did she not? Back to back buzzer beaters. That was the best moment in, in college the final basketball four, in the last ten and then years. to win the championship. Yeah, that was the best moment in college basketball in the last ten years. Yeah, and there's been a lot of yeah. cool moments like that. Right. Um. So yeah, it's exciting. I, I I'm not gonna sit here and lie and act like I've watched any of it, but I, I'm keeping tabs of it. I haven't. I didn't watch much of the men's this weekend either. I'm kind of catching up. Jake and I, right? Jake and I are both very busy individuals. Yeah. We try and keep up with as much as we can. This is what Twitter's for. This is what Twitter's for. (laughs) And you know we do our best, but we gravitate towards things that we've known and know for a long time. But we're we are branching out, and there's really exciting things to be talked about in women's sports specifically, and. You know, not saying that we can't do that more now, but in the future, there's going to be more talk about the importance of women's sports. Yep. But not only that, but you know how entertaining they can be as well. You know, if you if you if you look at the time and that is put in by all these players, you know, Sabrina Ionescu, she just she just had her first, she just launched her first shoe. Yeah, which is insane. Right. I saw something about um, during women's. History Month about um, was it Cheryl Swoops? Did she have the first one? I think so. I think Cheryl I think Swoops had the first. Yes. They like talk about how she had her first signature shoe and how it's a huge deal. Right. By the way, Caitlin Clark is a fucking killer. Iowa. Yeah. Yeah. She's a yeah. monster. Yeah. She's a cold stone killer. Um, I think I just think with the women's game, there's a lot more. You see a lot more of the individuals that take over the game. Correct. Right. Which is still really fun and really awesome to watch. I just think in men's it's become less about who has the best player and it's more about the best team. The best player helps, but we in women's it's who has the best player. To begin the show, we yes. talked about how NIL is increasing yep. parity for men's basketball. Yep. And I think that's taking effect right now. And do I think that's also going to take effect for the women's game? Absolutely. Yep. I just think it might take like one or two more years yep. for us to see, you know, those teams accumulate all the talent necessary. Yeah, I mean think think about it. You go to Florida Gulf Coast just an example. Look at that campus. Right. If you're between that and being the tenth man at Iowa State, there's gonna be some people that are just gonna go down and play at Florida Gulf Coast. Just as an example, there's plenty of places right. where it's like you can go have a good time, you can make similar money, and you can play. It's and that's what most eighteen to twenty two year olds care about. That's right. So now that we're we're gonna move on and talk a little bit more about the NFL before we end off this show tonight. Um, we're gonna talk about specifically the whole Aaron Rodgers situation. Yes. Which sort I'm, of. I know I'm really excited about. I'm also excited. So, may I? Go ahead. Okay. Take the floor. So, it is yours. So, Aaron Rodgers came out on the Pat McAfee show, a live stream on YouTube. I definitely listened to the entire hour and a half thing while I was at work, <laughs> by the way. Um, and he came out and said that he went into his darkness retreat, 90% thinking about retirement, 10% pl- about playing. He spent all those days in there. He spent a day about thinking um, what it would be like to retire. What it would be like to play in Green Bay. What it would be like to play somewhere else. So the Jets, he, he came out of it. The Jets' entire coaching staff in front office, essentially, owner, everybody flew out to California to meet with Aaron Rodgers. I believe it was not St. Patrick's Day Friday, the Thursday or Friday before that, the first full week of March, right? Yeah, I think that's right. Okay, so he decides that Friday, he doesn't tell anybody, that he wants to play for the New York Jets. He said he came out of the darkness retreat. Before he went in, the Packers were like, hey, we want you to, we want you. We want you to come back, whatever, your terms, whatever you want. We want you to retire as a Packer. He comes out of the darkness retreat. He's been told a bunch of different things. We sort of touched on it last week. Uh, CEO Mark Murphy of the Packers, president, came out and said some Slightly questionable things, right? I so, don't know, sorry to cut you off, yep. just real quick. I don't know why the Packers do the things that they do. Yeah, and I'm not trying to sound biased. I'm trying to keep this as unbiased as I can when talking about Aaron Rodgers leaving. Yeah, because it's an important historical moment in the NFL. 
you know, he's one of the best Packers players in history. In his opinion, he's the best. In his opinion, he's the best. He said that also. There have been a lot of great players for the mm-hmm. Packers over the years. They have been they're one of the most treasured and historic franchises if not in the, the NFL, yep. if not the one. Yep. And I'll always respect them for that. And I'm not trying to sound like hypocritical when I say that, but I'm also fortunate to be a fan of a team that with so much history. They're quite literally the most the winningest team in NFL history. Right. Yeah. You know, and it's just it, it's it's impeccable to me, and improbable is a better word. How the Packers have wasted not one Hall of Fame quarterback, but now two Hall of Fame quarterbacks over the span of thirty years. You have had the most important position on your field covered, both probably top ten in the history. Not not just Hall of Famers, like you have upper had echelon the, Hall of Famers. You, if not the best quarterback of. Their eras yep. in the NFL. Definitely, arguably, without a doubt, the most talented And you only is. win two Super Bowls. I get that's more than a lot of teams. Yeah, but I, over I would, 30 years... I'd kill for a Super Bowl appearance. 30 years yep. with the talent that you've had at the most important position, the Packers have not been able to get more than two Super Bowls, one each. The Packers haven't won a Super Bowl since 2010. Yep. 13 years by the start of by the end of next season will be 13 years. Yeah. Yeah, yep. It's it, it's just it's so confusing to me. Super Bowl 43. How it's so it's 45. It's 45. so I I just don't get it. Yeah. I I hate it because the Bears have never had a quarterback of the similar stature mm. over the 30 years. Try like 80. Over 80 years? <laughs> right. Like, Got to go back to like Sid Luckman. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> or when George Hallis would just throw the ball himself. Yeah. Or something. Well, they didn't throw the ball back then. No. It was just they just kind of like right. Sort of tossed it. They just kind of you know, whatever. You know, it. They obviously haven't handled it terrifically, and obviously it's this this rift with Rogers has been coming for a few years now. Um, I'm fucking stoked. Are you? I am for a couple reasons. Explain. This will be the best Jets quarterback I may ever see in my lifetime. Even 39-year-old Aaron Rodgers, there is no guarantee that what he does this year will ever be replicated. Or I, I don't even know how well it's going to go. But I've spent 25 years never seeing anything close to Aaron Rodgers. The last time the Jets had anything even relatively close to Aaron Rodgers was the 60s and 70s with Joe Namath. And even he is not on a Rodgers level. And even 39-year-old Aaron Rodgers... The Jets haven't had a 4,000-yard passer since Joe Namath, and they have one, one, Nick, one quarterback throw for 30 touchdowns in a season. Do you know who that is? I don't. It's Ryan Fitzpatrick in 2015. What a team. He's the only Jets quarterback to throw for 30 touchdowns in a season. And he didn't throw for 4,000 yards. He did not. Interesting. And he also threw three interceptions in the fourth quarter against the Bills that kept them out of the playoffs <laughs> that year. So the Jets haven't been to the playoffs in 12 years. I don't give a fuck what... They need they need to make this happen. Now, if they're going to give up a couple first round picks, I might pull back on that. But it's here's happen. the thing: it's what's going to. I disagree. They want a Stafford deal. A Stafford ass deal is what the reports are coming out. Who knows what's real? Roger says nothing that comes out of anyone else's mouth about him is true, which I believe. He's kind of a dick. I honestly don't believe he would share with Sheffield Rossini what's going on with him because he's just kind of. He's, yeah, right. He's going to tell the people that he who respect yeah, he's, him. Everything's on his terms. Right. So the thing is... Why do you think he goes on Pat McAfee every week? Because Pat McAfee's awesome. But more that's because it's his friend. Yeah. I mean, also AJ, AJ Hawk. Hawk. Yeah. Right. Um, so, and also Pat was an NFL player. Whether they were close or not, it's a different It's a different thing. It's a fraternity. And because an a, yeah, an AJ trusts Pat, so that's the whole thing. Yep. Um, so they... I lost my train of thought a little bit here. Gonna catch back up. Aaron Rodgers, he's just he, he's so controlling so, yeah. over his narrative yeah. that it's hard to gauge what this deal is going to look like. So the Packers say they want a, a Stafford ass deal, couple first round picks, players, whatever. That's it's a different situation. Rodgers isn't set to make uh, Stafford wasn't set to make sixty million dollars. Right. Stafford was not thirty nine on the verge of retirement for two or three seasons now. Right. The Packers do not have the leverage the Lions slash Rams did. Right. Right? I mean, that's pretty... So, I mean, I think something wrong. along the lines of second round, third round, maybe three picks, but nothing higher than second round, I think it's completely fair. I think he's only... What I saw 
the way it should work out is that he's only supposed to get paid like $16 million this year. Now, the Jets might have to take on a little bit more contract, but the more they take on, the less the Packers are going to get, and that's exactly how that's going to work. And right now, the, the Packers are trying to get a King's Ransom for somebody that is not worth a King's Ransom anymore. Just because, Packers, Not because of his right. talent, but because of the situation, his age, his mentality. He went on Pat McAfee's show and said, I basically almost retired. And I honestly truly believe the only reason he didn't retire is because he came out and the Packers were like, we really don't want you to play for us. And he heard that. And he's just in fuck you mode. Right. And he wants to screw, he wants to get back at them more Packers, than he wants to admit. The and, Packers are trying to get the best deal. But I think people are confused about what the best deal actually means. Mm-hmm. The Packers don't have that foot in the door anymore. Yeah. They don't have their hand on the neck. They have no leverage. They have no leverage, right? And their best deal is whatever the Jets are willing to offer them. That's where Aaron wants to go. He will not go anywhere else. He won't go anywhere else. He only wants to play for the Jets. He needs... They need, exact, they need We're to, talking about the same thing. They need to take what the Jets are giving them. Right. If there's a little leeway, sure. But and you, they, can, they, you can use this example for yeah. other deals too, Jake. Yeah. Whereas a team might be... You know they're looking. Both teams might be looking for the best deal, or everyone's like, "Oh, how come this happens? This hasn't happened yet." It just it makes so much sense. The best deal is often one-sided. Yeah. Or you might get that one crazy deal that just works out for everybody. Yeah. But I mean, is that really the best deal when you think about it? Yeah. You know, think about. You know, I've taken courses in contract negotiations. Well, look at you. Whereas, you know, you're trying to get the deal done as smoothly as you can. Yeah. While also making sure you are, you know, you're you're maintaining you have, what you want. You have to protect your own. You, 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 you are can't getting, give too much. You are getting what you might not be giving at the same time. I think a second round pick and like a conditional third or fourth or something is more than reasonable for Aaron right. Rodgers at this point. Would a first round pick make sense? No. One? One first round pick? Nope. I think it might. Eh, no. I do. I don't want it. I mean, I I disagree. I think of one first round pick next year. Next year, I don't want to give up thirteen this year because makes I think a lot they of can, sense. I think they can get a valuable pick if they want to do two this year and one next year. I think I can get on board with that. I think the player that can get a thirteen can be extremely impactful right. to their roster and this year. And I think if the Packers were in a different situation, that might be different because they're at what fifteen, but uh, fifteen and so Jets are at thirteen. So they're like it's what? the same thing. They're trading Aaron Rodgers and two more picks up. Yeah, and that's the Jets wouldn't do that. Yeah, it's not no. worth it. And it's it's um, yeah. I wish I'm just tired of the suspense. Yeah, I I just want them to have the thing is is the Jets don't have another option. They don't. They just flat out plain do not have another option. They don't have options. They need to go take care of it. Right, and they need to get it done. And it you cannot waste another year of this window, especially given how your how your division has changed. Yeah. You know, you were able to be what third in your division last year, or joined up in fourth. You were in fourth. Yeah. I mean, hey, whatever. Uh, yep, yeah, fourth because the Patriots have the fourteenth pick, so we finished behind them. So yeah. yeah. So the Jets, despite being uh six and uh, seven and three, Nick, we finished seven and the 10. Jets. I mean, they 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 won both rookies of the year awards. They're getting Brees Hall back. Yep. And you, they signed Alan Lazard. You kind of retooled your offense just a little bit. They brought in three. They signed three separate offensive line pieces. They're depth pieces, but they're solid depth pieces. You, you're retooling your offense because you're still, you still you still think then. that your your defense can play as well as it did last year. Mm-hmm. Minus the injuries, your defense was one of the better in the NFL. Yeah. So the only thing that they really lost on defense, what they they brought in Chuck Clark. We didn't talk about that. They traded for Chuck Clark. Very solid safety. Yeah. He played, and not just is he a solid safety, Nick. He played at least 25 to 30 snaps at every defensive position other than defensive tackle. He played at least 30 snaps at edge rusher, outside linebacker, inside linebacker, slot, corner. He played all over the place. And he did it efficiently. He tackles well. He's only 29. He's cheap. They only give up a seventh-round pick. So what I'm trying to say here, Jake, is that you cannot waste waste another year of this window, given how your division just completely retooled. Maybe besides, I mean, there have been some things the Bills have done offensively. It's mostly Miami. Miami Miami took a step forward. Miami just absolutely wants. The Patriots are the Patriots. The Patriots are going to Patriots. We haven't beat the Patriots in seven years. Right. Until we can say our roster's better than them all we want. Miami wants to curb stop everyone. They they picked up Tua's fifth-year option today. Yeah. And you heard Jalen Ramsey said about Mike McDaniel. It's a little random, but he was just like... Yeah, he's a little weird, but it's cool. He's just himself all the time. But he was just like, how, you met him, how was he? He's like, yeah, he's weird. <laughs> like, right <laughs> up, immediately. Love it. Um, but the Jets the Jets need to make this happen. Yeah. And it's, it's nice that Aaron Rodgers wants this to happen. 
that that's the thing that it's like I never thought I'd hear those words, and that's why I'm all in on it. It's the yeah. fact that he wants to be there. There, when is the last time? Forget position. A player of anything close to that caliber is like, you know what I want to go do? I want to go play. I want to go play for the fucking Jets. For the New York. No one. The New York Jetropolitans. No one. No one has ever said that. No one will ever say that again. <laughs> this is it. I'd rather have a one to two year window with just all of the hope in the world and just take a wild card loss. It's been 12 fucking years since I watched a playoff game. Get Aaron Rodgers in there. Get ready to go. Give And get it done soon. Aim for a he wild needs card to spot be there at OTAs. Just get it going. Right. You get all you have to do is get invited to a dance. Yep. Anything can happen. Anything can happen. Eli Manning made his whole career off of getting to the dance twice. Yeah. Two Super Bowl MVPs. Just Actually, Aaron Rodgers made his whole career off of it. Yes. Yes, he did. But can he do it again? I think he can if the Jets get him there. Um, but we got more football talk coming in the next coming weeks. Yeah. Just March Madness just it took, kind of took everything over. Took everything over. We'll as get, we'll get, we talked about the mock draft last week. We'll get to that in the next couple weeks. We'll figure that out and post them both. Yep. Um, um, but before we leave this football talk, Jake, I want to talk real quick. We haven't kept up with the XFL as much just because it's kind of been the same product week in, week out. Besides, either I think it was last weekend. Yeah. Last weekend, the St. Louis Battlehawks finally had a home game. Yeah, because for those of you who don't know, the XFL travels city to city. Yes. They play all four games in a different city every weekend. Yep, yep. So the so the St. Louis Battlehawks, which Jake just so happens to be a fan of, yep, quote unquote, AJ McCarron, and they finally had a home game, and it was awesome to see. They had was thirty eight thousand people, thirty eight thirty nine thousand people. They had a full stadium. They had a, they had a full stadium for an XFL game because St. Louis missed football that badly. Roger, listen to me. You're getting an extension. You've got more time to fix the NFL. Get a team back in St. Louis. Right. Please. You have more time, Roger, now. And I think, honestly, what we can talk about in a couple episodes from now, Jake, is the possibility of expansion for the NFL. And the NBA. I think both of those leagues need to do that. Yep. It needs to happen. It needs, they, they, it, something needs to change. And yep. I think expanding teams in the NFL and the NBA will do that. Yeah. Um, but before, like I said, we're going to talk more about football in the next coming weeks. But before we end this show, the World Baseball Classic mm-hmm. has also been going on right yep. now. It's just an insane month. It just well, it just kind of started. I think it started last Monday. Everything just kind of happened. Everything just it might have been a couple days before we recorded last episode, but it, right. it started ten days ago. They get the whole thing done in two weeks. Right, and it's just it's it's crazy. You know, just all the things that are happening right now. Yeah. So Jake and I are trying to talk about a lot of them. Tommy trumpets. Um. But yeah. So. Before we end the show, we're just going to quickly talk about the World Baseball Classic and some controversies that have come of it. R.I.P. Edwin Diaz and his patellar tendon. And his patellar tendon. He got us. He got that surgery uh-huh. literally the next day, yeah. if not like twelve hours later. I saw something too where they have the Stevie has a trainer, a nutrition. Like he has like four or five people living in Edwin Diaz's house. Right. He's like you will be back in October. So. Controversy for this, right? Edwin Diaz, for those that don't know, he is the he is a star closer, the best, the arguably. best, the best. I would, I mean, obviously I'm biased, but the best closer in Major League Baseball. Yeah, yeah I mean, outside of Hater, there's really no debate. He had an insane year last year, and he got paid for it. He signed a five year deal this offseason yeah. to pretty much lock him up for the rest of his career. The good part of it, the good part of his prime of his career, which is no longer and, this year. You know. He, he goes and plays for Puerto Rico in the World Baseball Classic. Yep. And they had just beat... He didn't pitch. I don't think he had pitched in this game. He didn't. And they had just beat another team. Um, Dominican. Was it or Was it the, the I th- DR? I think so. Was it the DR? I can't remember off the top of my head. It's just everything that happened after just it, kind of... It was, in the, it was in pool play, right? Yes. Yeah. Because so, they're the ones who sent Dominican home. They're the one, Yeah, so after that game... Edwin Diaz and all his teammates were jumping up and down around the mound, yep. as teams do. But it just so happened that just an insane amount of bad luck. He oh, yeah. tore his patellar tendon in a nasty way, yeah, celebrating a victory yeah. in which he didn't even play in. Yeah, he was like walking around with a stanky leg afterwards. It was not good. It was not yeah, good. following their win over Dominican Republic, win or go home. So yep. it's, just, it's tough to see, and this is the controversy where, you know, Basically, we're talking about KFC from Barstool, yeah. who is a huge Mets fan, 
Arguably the biggest. Arguably the biggest and most well-known Mets fan outside of maybe Jerry Seinfeld yeah. or I, I the would, owner. I would definitely say he is the most vocal Mets fan, at least people in our age group and yeah. our demographic. Right. I would say he's by far one of the most People vocal. know, people expect him and... If and, you're a Mets fan, you know and who Tank. he is. Yeah. And Frank, Tank. Frank the Tank. Yeah, KFC just tends to be more articulate. KFC just is a lot yeah. more articulate, and he went on a rant after just complaining about players playing in the, in the WBC. That it doesn't matter, yep. That it's just, it's... It's. I mean, how it's dare stupid. you with the investment that you're you're you are the investment for the yeah. for these teams? And he's just like, if you, it's just he just went on a rant, just completely shitting on the WBC. Did he make some valid points? Yeah. Did he? Yes. Did, did he? No. Did he counter some really poor arguments from other people? Hundred percent. But you know, his main point was this isn't the best baseball in the world. We, the MLB is the best baseball in the world. Right. Which isn't completely false. The best players in the world. They end up playing in America. Correct. Same in the thing United the, States. Same thing in the NHL. Same thing with the NBA. However, Olympic hockey is fantastic. These games have been fantastic. You aren't going to see a U.S. lineup, a Dominican lineup, a Venezuelan lineup, a Puerto Rican lineup. You're not going to see an MLB team with those lineups. Right. We're taking the best players. It's essentially... There's five or six all-star teams. Right. And then there's a bunch of other solid teams. There are some teams in this tournament that have minimal... MLB players, they're, so and they're the, not as talented, but the, the thing is... The World Baseball Classic yeah. features teams that are all-stars up and down, all-starting nine, and yeah. then the Czech Republic, yeah. who had teachers yeah, for like their And to those guys, spots. that means the world to them. It means the, so but, that's what I was trying to get yeah. to, Jake. I saw something on Twitter where it was just like, encounter to KFC. This, this person had tweeted out something like, you know, obviously it's easy for us to say that the MLB is the premier baseball in the world, which it is. When it's here. When it is here. Yeah. But this means something to the players that are, I mean, yes and no. Like, obviously there are some players that are you know very patriotic about where they're from. And I think the WBC needs to work on who can play for who. Yeah. Because they're, like, a big example that was used for KFC's defense was like, yeah. oh, how come Marcus Stroman was able to pitch for the U.S. last tournament, but now he all of a sudden is pitching for Puerto Rico? Yeah. You know, it's I'm not shaming him for that. Yeah. I'm not saying that's not a bad thing, but I also think that that's a little bit discrediting to the tournament where yeah. players can pick and choose who they want to play well, for. That's something Joel Embiid's going to do. Right. It's just as a reference. He's a he's a native of, like, four or five countries now. Right. He technically is French part... Uh, and so it's a similar thing. He must just have dual citizenship. And what we talked about before yeah. the before the show started, and your point leading into the World Cup, yeah. And I think you might be able to take this a little bit better than I could, yeah. Um, but you know, it's the the world the World Cup is to, to those countries is a, is the biggest thing in the world. It's not the biggest thing to us. Soccer isn't huge here, but baseball is gospel in some parts of some of these countries. And baseball has died a little bit here. It still means a lot to us. But Americans are also different than a lot of places in the world. Are we patriotic? Yes. But do we care more about tearing down other Americans because they wear a different color of a different jersey? Yes. I I feel like these... And I I could be speaking completely out of turn here. I've never been to Venezuela. I've never been to Puerto Rico. But I've met... Enough people from these places to know that that country means a lot to them. Being from those countries means a lot to them. The people in the Dominican, David Ortiz is like a god of the Dominican. Absolutely. No one here knows who Mike Trout is. Right. Baseball is huge in these countries, and it has been for a long time. And just, it, we, do, we take a lot for granted. We and do. That, this is we do, and these guys of, do not. Outside of sports talk, I mean, we just yeah. take we just take a lot of things for granted. In and these countries country. do not. This is a huge deal to them. And baseball is sometimes these countries. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And I'm not... It's the same thing with soccer. There's there's certain countries in the World Cup. This is what they do. This is what they look forward to every four years. Right. And just because the World Baseball Classic isn't huge here, and you know it, it's not done every four years, and it, it kind of took a hiatus, and there's all these issues that came up with it, it's it's still a big deal. It is. And I think the popularity of it is only going to grow. Like we've seen that this year. And we Trey Turner's home run. Was electric. Was electric. His grand slam also was one of the most seen things this March. While all this other stuff is going on, these clips are getting more exposure than anything that happens in the MLB. Right. That Trey Turner home run had seven and a half million views in right. fifteen minutes. Yeah. 
the Aaron Judge's 60-second home run has 3 million views. Right. Which is one of the biggest historical things that's happened in baseball in the last 30 years. And Bryce, Bryce Harper's league-altering Game 5 home run in the NLCS has 2.5 million views. Right. So Trey Turner hitting this Grand Slam in the WBC has so much more outreach because everyone everywhere else yeah. cares. Yeah. You know, you think... I mean, okay, think about it like this. Do yeah. you think uh, Julio Rodriguez, He do you think he really likes Seattle compared to, you know, wh- where he's from in the Dominican? Think about it. No, I... Like, do you think these players really... I mean, obviously they care. Obviously they're paid to No, care. I know what you're saying. But, like... You know, these, this is where they're from. This is these... This, if if these Julio these Rodriguez countries. could play for $300 million in his hometown of Dominican Republic, I'm sure he would. I'm sure he or, would. Or anywhere else. I mean, probably. Like, do you think Do you think someone's going to want to play baseball? I mean, obviously, the money talks, right? We That's a big part of it. But, I mean, do you think some guy is going to want to go play in Kansas City if the option is to, like... Play for your home country with all his family, with there. all your family. No, you know that that that's yeah. that's priceless. That a lot of people don't, you know, think about. Yeah, we. I mean, I get I get the frustration from an American it just, it sports sucks. fan point. It, it sucks su- losing Edwin for the year. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm selfish that way. I I hate it because you know he, he he's the best closer in the MLB, and the Mets are finally finally in a space where you know they they are a force to be reckoned with in some spots. And losing him is just, it, it hurts. It's just... But I'm sure he would do it again for mm-hmm. his country. Because this is what, this is this, this matters. That was kind of my point earlier. If, if say, David Bednar, right? He's one of the, I don't know if he's the primary closer for the U.S., but he's one of the relief pitchers they have. If he does this, are we going to be more upset than one of our favorite players from a different country doing it? No. No. Because we don't care as much. But the thing is, is we're so commercialized in all these things that we care more about the commercialization of all these things. And don't get me wrong, I'd rather watch March Madness than the World Baseball Classic. And I think most Americans would feel that way. But that we can't discredit how important this is to other countries. This is the world to Japan. Yep. This is did you see the Japan all the people in Japan when they're playing the games over there? Yeah. All the people in Asia for those games? Japan. The amount of people that are in Miami for some of these games when it's not even their country is absurd. It, like I'm pretty sure it was like sixty one percent of households in Cuba were watching yeah. um a game. And same with 48% of households in Japan. We're watching For, their game versus Italy. That's like the Super Bowl. 48%. That's like the Super Bowl. With Japan versus Italy. Which, you know, they imagine gonna, if which Japan, I think they won by a mercy rule. They did. <laughs> yeah. Imagine imagine Japan in the finals. You know, What are these percentages going to look like? You, know, you just don't see that other than the Super Bowl in the, in the United States and the World Cup yeah. everywhere else. That's and it, it's that big of a deal to some of these countries, right. and specifically Japan and and the yeah right, but maybe not the Czech Republic, but maybe not the Czech Republic, maybe not Italy or Great Britain. No, those stupid ass jerseys. I know, I I did not like their designs, but I don't think anyone did. But it's just it, it's sad to see the news about Edwin, but you know you also have to appreciate the WBC for you know bringing countries together for a game that, for all intents and purposes, is the United States baby. Pretty much, yeah. It was made here. It was popularized here. And, you know, it's nice to see the U.S. go out and play the game that we created against players from all across the world who also have an appreciation for my favorite game. I didn't even know that some of these players were from the countries they're from. Right. I didn't know that Venezuela, all of those guys were from Venezuela. I didn't know that all of those guys were from... I had no idea where these people were from. Right. And it's, it's Do you know nice. what part of the problem with that is? Is the way the MLB markets it's it. the way that the MLB is. And, right, that's what... The MLB has the WBC to look forward to every yeah. year, but I also think... Well, not every year, but every couple of years. Yeah. But I also think they dread it because they know what their product I can be. I think it be. was four years until COVID. It's supposed to be four years. They know what their product can be, yeah. but they just aren't there yet. And the I think thing, that's why baseball... The other thing is some MLB teams don't let their players play. Right. Right? right. I mean, I don't know if that's. I mean, like, how is Aaron Judge not playing for the U.S.? He just chose not to. He just chose not to. Can you? I mean, can you? He ima- chose not to. Right. Brandon, uh, Brandon Nimmo didn't didn't play. It's part of the and that's and all these pitchers. They have no pitchers. They right. have all these great pitchers. Scherzer, uh, Scherzer, Degrom, Degrom, Strider, uh, uh, Verlander, Verlander. None of them pitched. No, because they, and none of them they chose just, to. They're just focusing on. Right, and so on that's their MLB season. 
That's the thing. Is but like, you notice that's a lot of American pitchers. That's what I'm saying. That doesn't happen with these other countries. Right. And because as Americans, we don't grow up thinking about U.S. baseball. We grew up thinking about MLB baseball. Right. We have that. These countries grow up and think baseball for here, for my country, for my people, for my family. Not that Americans don't care about their family or don't think about their family, but it, it, it it's a distinct cultural difference. Food for thought. Yeah. Right. But I think that is where we're going to end things this episode, Jake. A um, lot of great talking here, I think. Yeah. We had a lot of varied conversations this week. Um, keep in mind, we still have a lot more to talk about coming um, next week and the weeks beyond with March Madness, with more NFL stuff. One thing that's good about Jake is uh, he can talk about pretty much anything, so we'll, we'll, the conversations will continue. Right. Um, just a couple more updates before we end. Uh, Twitter. Our Twitter is Up Air Podcast at Up Air Podcast on Twitter we'll and it. and on TikTok. Um, oh yeah, we do have a TikTok, and that's it's that, a funny TikTok. It's a really funny TikTok, and we're going to keep posting on there. Not as much as Twitter, but um, you know, that is, engage with the with the children. That the is youths. that is that is on there too now. So both of those are at Up Air Podcast. Okay. So follow us there. Talk with us. Let us know what you guys are wanting to hear. And we will be sure to talk about it if we want to. Wink, wink. Um, I enjoy talking. Yeah, yeah, you do. But this has been Up in the Air, Episode 7. I'm Nick. I'm Jake. See you next week. Hasta la pasta.